you want do you want to hear a construction joke or not? Um you gotta be honest, yes or no. Is this is this gonna be on the podcast? <laughs> you bet it's gonna be on the podcast. It totally is. But it doesn't matter. You know what? It doesn't matter. I'm still working on it anyways. This so. this okay. You didn't right. get it, did it, you? It'll be in part three. Yeah, that was like way out. over. Okay. Yeah. I, so yeah. because that one didn't fly over too well, you know, yeah, it, it just took me just a second because that's a common <laughs> phrase we use in everyday everyday language. Okay. So. Okay. Then I'll, I'll tell you another one. Let's start with this one. Ready? Because the other one just flopped. Maybe people will appreciate this one. What do dentists call their x-rays? You go to the dentist and they do an x-ray. What do they call them? I'm afraid to try an answer. <laughs> Toothpicks. Toothpicks. Oh my! <laughs> you know, if I had one of those little sound effects, and I might put that in there. Yeah, I might yeah. do that. Okay, yeah, fire so. the stream deck up and, <laughs> and download all the sound effects you want, and then use them. Use them. Um, I'm I'm afraid for people who are listening right now, you know, <laughs> because they're going, "What are what's happening here?" You know. You know, I always try to keep it a little lighthearted up front, you know, especially on a topic like this. Yeah, because we get into some pretty heavy topics. And so I would much <laughs> rather do that. Okay, so moving on, Eric Barger is on with us, and uh, I can't state enough uh, what uh, what he means to me, what he means in my life and uh, how much I love this this man right here. But some of you guys might not have seen the first couple of interviews that I've done with him. So Eric, why don't you go ahead and, you know, present us what take a stand ministries is, and I'm just going to turn it over to you. Give us an intro and, and run us through. Okay. Hold on. Pause. I know I said that. Let me take the ball back real quick. Cause sure. some of you guys might not get through this whole thing. I always say this. So I want to, I want to make sure that I get this upfront. Um, if you would like, if you like the content that you see on these podcasts, this is the Serpents and Doves website. You can go there. The web addresses I always list at the bottom of each one of our windows. So the web address is down there. It's serpentsanddoves.com. If you feel like donating on the top right-hand side up here, there's a donate button. You can go ahead and click there. And the other way that you can support the ministry is over here on the shop tab. There are some goodies there, and uh, you can go ahead and get some of those. I'm going to go ahead and go to Eric's website just real quick. This is Eric's website. That is ericbarger.com, right, Eric? That's correct. Okay, uh -huh. and now I'm going to turn it over back to you so that you can <laughs> give us your your intro, which is fabulous. Go ahead. You, you probably did that just so I can put a plug in, too, because you have terrific, you said goodies, Uh the hoodie you sent me is the by far the finest hoodie I've ever owned. And I don't wear them a lot, but man, I don't need another one. I've got that one. Cool. Uh, really good stuff. And uh, I do hope that, that uh, folks will understand that though these, these types of ministries, mine and yours, are a labor of love, uh, it does take finances to do it. So, you know, hit that donate button and help, 
help Pablo keep doing what he does. Appreciate It'll it. be an encouragement to him as much as anything. Every gift, large and small, yeah. helps all ministries, especially ones at our size that doesn't have a backer or doesn't have a church behind it. So it's um, always helpful when you do that, and we appreciate it. So I'll get into it. Uh, Take a Stand Ministries. This is now our coming up to our the beginning of our 40th year. So that's uh, how long we've been around. Started in 1983. Uh, God has been extremely good to us in the things that uh, he's had us do. The topics have changed somewhat. Uh, I used to be known as the guy who used to play rock music for a living and produce records. And now I'm the guy who talks about that. Don't do much of that anymore, but uh, you'll see the kind of the topics are available in this little video that's being played on the screen. Doesn't have any sound on it, but I deal with um, things that are going on in the church that are concerning to us. I deal with the cults and the occult and spiritual warfare. And Home Invasion is the first documentary I've ever indelved in. And uh, it is, uh, it's taken a long time to put it together. My wife that you see there on the screen has had uh, some uh, pretty dramatic health issues. And I'm just grateful that she's doing well and and that's okay. Keep going. Do you hear the dog? Yeah, it's okay. You know what? You, we're we're really fortunate that I don't have mine in here because if he heard yours, he would be talking with yours, and it would be a doggy podcast. So, well, yeah, okay. I know. He's uh, he's a rescue dog. He's a sheep dog, and he's got a big uh, a big bark. And well, we love every dogs. time, every time FedEx or UPS or Amazon anybody shows up, he um, he ends up. Uh, wanting to be on tape with me. So well, uh, that's how that goes. But ericbarger.com is where you're going to find me. Uh, there's hundreds of pages of documentation, books, past newsletters, links, audio, video, you name it at ericbarger.com. Just my name all run together. Perfect. Um, I, I should probably go out there and stop him. No, Hopefully you know what? It, it totally doesn't buy. You know why I don't mind these things? Because it brings the human factor into this whole thing. And I That's love the it. dog factor, brother. It's okay. <laughs> we love dogs, especially rescue dogs. Mine is a rescue. And just yep. it, you explained yours. Someone dropped, um, well, Sparky, we call him Sparky because he's a spark plug. Someone left him at a park close to our house. Wow. Thank God. Uh, one of the moms on the swim team brought him in. He was probably about four or five months old, scared to death. And uh, we took him in and he's been a blessing. He challenges my patience. So God has brought him as an instrument to challenge my patience. So folks, <laughs> be careful when you pray for patience, okay? Yeah, you, you don't pray for patience. Yeah, that's that's uh, right. Learned that a long time ago. That's right. Um, he is a rescue dog. We have a second rescue dog. Uh, these are both owned by my granddaughters, but we share in them. And uh, Which one's the one that talks? You said one of them actually. Oh, yeah, the other one. The other one okay. is uh, he is a talker. That's for sure. <laughs> he or she is a talker that he is too. the one that's barking, it's but okay. she is, she is uh, uh, part Husky and they're known to talk. This dog talks in paragraphs. When I entered the room, this dog immediately runs toward me, wagging and, and barking, announcing them I'm there. And she does it with just about everybody that she knows. Yeah. And so, um, no, we have a, a couple of um, very unique, kind of odd, but we love okay. them, rescue dogs. And we've had uh, several animals along the way. Hard to do when you travel like I do. Yeah. When Melanie, about uh, 10, 10, 12 years ago, something like that, she wasn't traveling as much with me. We felt like we could get uh, get a dog. And so yeah. uh, that 
changed a little bit. And uh, just now we're, we're glad we have them. Glad our granddaughters are, are here with us, our two oldest granddaughters. And uh, because of Melanie's health issues, uh, it's been very helpful to have uh, the granddaughters around and they're, they pitch in and we all try to clean the house and help Poppy because he doesn't know how to do all the cleaning that he should know. <laughs> Melanie did it all, all those years. Yeah. And um, uh, now I've been, been doing it. She had, she had major surgery last March, a year ago, and now has had an issue before that. And another one since then, but uh, she's, she's doing fine. Praise and those God. of you who have seen me before and prayed for us, we appreciate that. It's very important, but go to ericbarger.com. We keep people, um, keep, uh, you know, people up to date with um, with what we're doing as we go to the website. And there's uh, there's also some other stuff. I mean, uh, uh, we do an email newsletter. We do a print newsletter occasionally, but uh, pe- folks can go to the website and they will see a subscribe button there. And we promise never to sell your name to somebody else's mailing list. I don't like it when people do that to me. Yeah. I won't do it to anybody who signs up with us, but uh, these newsletters could be once a month. They could be once every three months. Depends on what we're doing and what the pertinence is. I, I try to leave the draws out, if you will. Okay, but, so um, you're going to introduce, hold on, because you're sure. going to introduce part, you're going to reintroduce really what we were talking about in the first part. So folks, right. if you haven't seen part one, you really need to just, because I don't really want to spend much time recapping everything we talked about. So I would highly encourage you go back, listen to the interview we did. So if you go, all you YouTubers that you like to just go on YouTube. um, So I'm going to just say this real quick. One of my videos with pastor Billy Crone was censored. They took it down. That's probably going to be the norm. It seems like uh, moving forward, as you get a lot of you know that that exists. Eric does a lot of the the guys that I've interviewed. Uh, they know a lot about that because it's hit close to home for them. And so, when you go watch the home invasion part one video on YouTube, you're only going to be able to see about ten minutes of it, and then I'm gonna tell you guys to go to Rumble because the full video is on Rumble. So if you want to skip over doing that. You can either go directly to Rumble, and I'm going to link below so that you guys can just click straight into the Rumble link. It'll take you there. Or if you're on YouTube, if you're hearing this video, you're on YouTube, go below and just go directly to Rumble. Oops, don't want to do that. But just go directly to Rumble. Watch the other one through Rumble. This one's probably going to have the same exact format. I'm going to kick you guys from YouTube into Rumble anyway. So I wanted to say that um, a lot of the videos that I'm going to be doing uh, as well are going to be probably a third, maybe a quarter part on YouTube and then on Rumble, just because the powers that be don't like what we're saying. They really don't like what the Bible has to say. And so we can't be silent on these issues. But at the end of the day, Eric, you said something that I really liked when you were doing the end of days conference this past weekend. Um Something to the people that were stuck on YouTube. What was it? <laughs> well, if we uh, if we are just continually going to YouTube and we expect that we're going to get all the information, especially information about prophecy or apologetics or cults or especially current events, uh, you're barking up the wrong tree. 
Yeah. YouTube has decided to follow a, a pattern that anything that they personally or they as a corporate disagree with is is going to be out of there. They're, you know, they will tell you that you violated the um, uh, community guidelines. The, yeah, the community yeah. guidelines, the, yeah. the, you know, the user uh, guidelines. But uh, the, the truth is, is topics that they just don't want on YouTube and they want to censor conservatives and Christians. I'm going to talk about that. At some point, either in in this part of home invasion or in the last one, which will be part three, yeah. which we still have to record, it's not not up online anywhere, but it will be. I'll talk about that. And if you haven't seen part one, you need to see it. It'll yeah. help you understand part two. I'm going to do a little catch up, a little recap, but not a lot because we have a lot to say, and we've already talked about dogs and all kinds yeah. of other stuff. So we need to move on with that, but that's kind of where it's at. So home invasion itself was an idea that, uh, that I had, oh, it's been some time now. Uh, and I just believe that there had to be a way to speak out about these issues that are going on in the tech industry. If it caused me to be uh, censored from on YouTube or thrown off of YouTube or any of the other social medias, well, I'd have to live with that. And I've decided that um, uh, there are some things that, that I can at least, um, shall we say, be restrained about talking about. And I am restraining myself about a couple of topics in this particular presentation today. But I'm not short-circuiting to the place where people can't tell um, what it is that I'm speaking about and where people can't get good information. Um, to this stage, I have not been censored on Rumble. I don't, I don't think you have either, Pablo, no. but um, I'm grateful for that. But the time may come when you have to have your own server and serve things uh, like this yourself without having a go-between like Rumble or YouTube or BitChute or any of these other services. And uh, it's and, just the way life is. So can if, I say something if, real quick? If you can't, yeah, let me say this. So, oh, and I'll be finished. If you can't get over being on YouTube, and I'll just say, if you can't get over being on YouTube, if that's the only place you feel like you can access uh, videos, you're you're going to miss out on on vital, not just valuable, not yeah. just interesting, vital information that you could have gotten otherwise if you would get used to going to some of the other services there. Yeah, no, no. All I was going to say real quick, just because you you hit on the subject, you know, um, Eric mentioned that it, it takes, it does take finances even to just do what we're doing. Imagine how much more it would take if at some point in time, we would have to actually get our own servers. The cost is crazy. It so, is. so uh, prayerfully that time, won't come, but you know, for a while, but at the end of the day, it's extremely, extremely expensive. There are a few pastors that are doing that. And I'm sure that they would probably agree with us 100% that the cost to doing that is really, really, really high. Anyways, well, go ahead. And they've already hit the stumbling block. Yeah. They've already hit the spot where YouTube has given them one strike, two strike. And I think in one case, three strikes, and that means they're off YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and, and so when this happens, you have to look for another way to, to present the material that God has laid on your heart. Um, I, I don't want to purposely just go out to offend people. I'm not going to do that. I'm not trying to offend anybody. Um, but if it offends the, the censors at Google, which is YouTube, you know, YouTube mm -hmm. is owned by Google. If it offends them, I can't help it, but they can give me a strike and they can limit my viewership. That's why I've decided to take uh, what I do elsewhere. And I'll continue to put some videos or at least parts of them yeah. on YouTube until they decide that I shouldn't do that or I can't do that. 
Uh, and we'll just, we'll deal with whatever comes along. Uh, I, I know, like you just mentioned, we know, I know two speakers personally uh, who are in kind of our genre of speakers, loosely knit group together that we all kind of talk about these issues. I know two of them who have investigated in and finally have, have um, began to, to acquire their own server and, it's just because of what YouTube has done yeah. and Facebook and Twitter to some, yeah. some extent. And um, if we think that Twitter is going to change radically, I, I don't think it's going to change radically. Yeah. It may change partially. And uh, I appreciate the free speech attitude of Elon Musk, but he is, he's not a believer as far as I can tell from anything he said or done. No. And um, uh, it's going to be the message of Christ that gets us in trouble in the end, or speaking about something that we see in the world that is going to affect the messengers or the message of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I agree. And, and just from what you said, I don't know, um, like you said, if Elon Musk uh, I know that he was interviewed by the Babylon Bee not too long ago. I think that interview might be on YouTube or not. And the guys actually asked him if he wanted, you know, if he wanted to ask Jesus to be his Lord and Savior. And uh, he declined right there. Now, I'm not saying that he's huh. still at a reach from the Lord because nobody's at a reach from the Lord. But that's right. I think, um, I think just recently something came out that someone. Yeah, right here, even on the independent. And I'm going to show this real quick. Okay. Um, let me get there. We'll, we'll eventually talk about home invasion. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we will. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll not definitely. Whatever, whatever we do is fine. We've got time. Uh, we're not limited by the clock. We're not on a network that makes us be limited. So uh, it's okay. So right here says Elon Musk says he's okay with going to hell as he suggests he could be killed. This was just Monday, May 9th. And, uh, you know, this is from the independent. This isn't just some nutty, you know, crazy uh, source, but anyway, well, he's never investigated what it means to go to hell. That's the problem. If, If the people in the world who are not saved would investigate exactly what the Bible says and what, because of the authenticity and because of the reliability of scripture and because prophecy has been fulfilled exactly as the Bible declares, we yeah. can trust the Bible. If for no other reason, that's a good reason to begin trusting what scripture says. Amen. If you begin to look at what hell is at the, the conference you mentioned in the days conference, which is held um, up by Everett Washington each year. And uh, they've asked me to host it and I've helped to get speakers and do other things and advise them. Um, the pastor of the church was one of the speakers, and uh, his name is Kerry Green, a really, really great guy and good speaker. His message about hell is something every Christian, let alone the world, ought to be considering because when you, can, you can't get soft on an issue like hell, nor can you, you get somehow, um, you know, a little ethereal about heaven. Heaven's a real place. Hell's a real place. And we want to avoid hell with, at all costs. And we can, of course, do that by our sins being covered by the blood of the lamb. I agree. Okay, so we are going to get into it. So I'm going to turn this back over to you. I know you guys can hear me, can't see me, which is probably (laughs) a good thing. But anyways, I'm going to go ahead and reintroduce what we're going to be talking about, your documentary, and we'll go from there. 
Are you sure? Yeah, positive. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate uh, those who are joining us, and I hope this will be uh, a blessing. It'll be eye-opening, and to some extent, it may be troubling to you. I understand that, too. These things are not easy, but it's called Home Invasion, The Rise of Surveillance Society. Uh, it's going to be several DVDs. I'm not sure how many. I've already got one of them produced, and I'm ready to try to send these out as soon as we get done. I've had so many holdups with my wife's health and just with uh, the common theme of ministry and travel and things I have to do um, uh, to fulfill the ministry we're in. So this is something we're trying to get done and get out as soon as we can. The rise of surveillance society, and we've all lived in it. If you've been, if you're watching this, you're not an infant, so you've been around watching uh, how surveillance society has taken hold. And really, it's about the role of technology in the end times. And I'm going to recap just a little bit and a couple of these slides we used in, the, in uh, part one, but the reason to reinvent the wheel. Uh, I think the, the most important thing you can see is that we need a hunger. We as Christians, and that's really who I'm aiming at, though I hope the others will watch too. We need to carefully study the prophetic declarations that scripture makes concerning the days that we live in. We're at the end of the end days, and I think we can prove that out by the different events going on around us. And uh, as we know that's happening in our lives, then we certainly uh, we, we want to make the most of these opportunities we have. And I can't think of a better evangelistic tool than to understand prophecy in these days, because uh, people are talking about these events. We also want a clearer understanding of the tech tools that are, that are at our disposal, both good and bad, and either a boon or a detriment to us, and understand what we can use and how to use them for the glory of God. And last, I hope we um, get an urgency concerning the lost around us, and this, uh, this topic will help us on, on those uh, on those fronts. And there are the three things I just pointed out. So that's kind of the premise of the of the documentary. Uh, there are so many clips and so many um, uh, videos in this particular documentary that um, I can't even begin to talk about all of them. We're going to see a few of them. I have gone through about 700 slides and tried to boil it down to about 150 that we're going to use in this presentation. So you understand you're not going to see everything that uh, the documentary has. We're not showing you the documentary. Right. We're talking about what's in it. Yeah. So uh, note again, if you haven't watched part one that was uh, put online on February 11th of this year of 2022, um, you want to go to the Serpents and Doves website and find it. You'll see Home Invasion very clearly marked, and it gives context and it helps you with a lot of crucial data that we're not able to get into here. And I hope you'll you'll uh, take avail make avail of that. And I think I think weren't uh, weren't you going to put the URL in the screen right here too of of the um, yeah, of where me, they can get it. Yep, let me go because I was actually what I was gonna say is let me go to um, let me see let me see you, Eric. I want to see <laughs> you real quick. Are you so sure? You brother? Yes, actually, I'm <laughs> very very sure. Yeah. So what I wanted to say is make sure you guys go to the link below because the links are gonna be on Rumble, they're gonna be on YouTube, they're gonna be on my website, and right. all of these links. If you guys want to buy this documentary, is it on, on pre-order still? It's it's pre-order. Okay. I'm not finished yet. But, okay. Um, it's so, a long process. Plus, it includes two full-length booklets you can download. And by full length, I'm talking about, you know, they're 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 pretty good sized booklets. And one of them directly dealing with home invasion. Okay. The other one dealing with uh, 
another uh, part of prophecy that kind of works into this. So. Okay, so here is the link. So again, I'll put the link in. This is on Eric's website. I, this is the page, right? Where they can go and pre-order. That's it. Uh -huh. Okay, so they can go, anybody that wants to go get this, and I highly recommend it, you do it. Like Eric said, we're not going to cover everything. We're just, and, and it's not so much me. I'm going to jump in there when I have questions. But um, Eric is telling us what's in it. And it's not the whole thing. I really, really highly recommend you go get this because it's chock full of information that I guarantee you most of us aren't aware of. And so, um, again, I want to make sure everybody understands the link will be in the description below. I'm going to list Eric's website and right below Eric's website is going to be the link to go pre-order home invasion. So with that said, with the kind of recap we already did, Eric, why don't you go ahead and start us off? This is part two again, and uh, take us away. This isn't for the faint of heart anyway. Well, no, it's not. And I, I'm, uh, I'm just going to follow my slide outline. Yeah. It's hard to skip around when you've got a presentation put together and it somewhat, somehow in my mind, <laughs> yeah. you don't want to know how <laughs> anyway, but somehow it makes sense to me to have it in this order. So I'll, I will uh, do my best to give you some detailed information today, some that you'll sure. see exactly that, uh, like it's going to be in the documentary, or maybe it already is because we've recorded so many parts of it already. But uh, And just uh, let me know, let me know when you're going to go to your slides and that way I can make sure that sure. everybody sees them full screen. Well, I'm going to go back and forth. Okay. So you'll, you'll have to decide when you see them. That's go for, for sure. And I'm, I'm looking for, um, where I'm going to go next. And now that we've talked, I'm not exactly so, sure. So it's all good. So we have, um, I think most people already know that there's been issues with Facebook. Um, there's been issues with Twitter. I mean, actually, I think Twitter, a lot of you guys probably know who, let me go over here. A lot of you guys probably know <laughs> who um, Project Veritas is. The, the guy that started that, his name's James O'Keefe, does yep. a lot of undercover work. And even he just uncovered, you know, issues that are obvious to those that are looking of censorship uh, within, you know, the left and uh, admitting that a lot of their tactics are communist tactics. And so for us to be thinking that um, nobody's watching, nobody's listening, nobody really cares what Eric puts online or what I put online or any of these other pastors, Pastor Brandon, you know, Pastor Tom Hughes, who cares? No one's really looking. They are looking. They've gone yeah. out of their way. These software engineers have gone not out of their way by instruction from the top. They've been hired because they have a set of skills and they have a set of ideologies that fits the people with that own these companies and those that are above them, these oligarchs that are running a lot of these tech uh, companies. And so they're told, Hey, I want you to guys, I want you guys to write a specific algorithm to target specific words, specific organizations. And I'll go as far as saying even specific set of beliefs. You you're stealing my thunder. So go ahead. I set it up. <laughs> that's you okay. can take that's it, good. Take it away. Well, that's going to come up in a little bit okay. because I'm going to talk about shadow banning and, uh, and I'm also going to show a video later on provided that we get through this. No, we will. Um, I'm going to show a video of uh, uh, an interview with two people in the tech industry, one of which was a programmer at Google who left his job uh, because he 
he saw what was going on, the way this was affecting people, the way that their policies were affecting others. So uh, as we stated in part one, you know, this is unlike other messages you hear on prophecy, but keep in mind, this is really about Bible prophecy. When you talk about what is happening today, uh, these are prophetic events, uh, most certainly that we are affecting people. When I say we, I mean, generally these the speakers that talk about these issues and do so, I think, biblically or hopefully biblically from a um, biblical viewpoint point of view and, and also a conservative point of view. So we'll, we'll get into that. Shadowbang is way on in the material here and we'll see how far we get. But understand the Bible does not directly mention the technologies of our day. Uh, yet we, it can be correlated with many of the different things we see, and the ancient writers did the best they could with the words they understood and their limited knowledge of what was ahead. And so when people say, oh, well, I don't see Google in the Bible. Well, I don't either, but I do see things that relate, and that's the thing. So keeping the premise of Bible prophecy is a, is a major deal to me, and that's why I'm reminding people right here at the beginning of part two, once again, like I did in part one, to remember to keep the premise of Bible prophecy at uh, the forefront as you watch this. Now, I'll just keep going through my slides. Yeah, go I, for wanna, it. I wanna jump back into the material from home invasion. I wanna give you some um, primary issues that are covered in the, uh, in the documentary, some with more depth than others. And I mentioned a few and others I, I won't, but uh, when you understand uh, what is happening, you get the information you look at it, you evaluate it, you say, is this too far out? Is it, is it, uh, some of the stuff is really honestly beyond reality. You think, how could this be? But we live in a day when you get very surprised when you begin to, to validate information. And I've tried to do that throughout all these years we've been in ministry, almost four decades of validating what I've read to make sure I can back it up. It's important that you back it up with scripture. It's important that it uh, it's validated by just not being hearsay. And I, what I'm going to share in the presentation, like I said, could be troubling to you, especially if you love your liberties, love your free speech, love your personal expression. Uh, if you love that and you believe that's important, and we all should, because let's face it, We've been given the Great Commission in Matthew 28, and that is, go ye into all the world. It didn't say Pablo go into all the world. It didn't say Eric go into all the world. It didn't say pastor or preacher go into all the world. Those called to ministry go into all the world. It said every one of us who are Christians have a mission, and that is to go into all the world. Now, that's unsettling to some people because... Um, they, they go, oh, well, I, I'm not skilled at that. I'm not educated about that. Right. Well, this is something we need to be doing. We need to go on into all the world. And this is part of the, of the, um, of the things, the way our mission is being hampered. And it's, um, it is in great, in great extent, to a great extent, being hampered because of unbelievers who want to have things their way, who want their leftist point of view, their agnostic or atheist point of view, and our free speech is in jeopardy because of it. Yeah. Um, as the public is now becoming aware, our personal privacy is diminishing and has been diminishing for some time. You wonder if there's any privacy left. And because of the scrutiny and the scandals, Facebook has divulged some very disturbing information. They've been forced to, to divulge it. The data mining that Facebook has done with their users, uh, and you know, there's a reason there's all these categories that they ask you to check if you're interested in them. Facebook's been keeping and 
cataloging all user call and text records. Now, if that isn't unsettling, if you have a Facebook app on your phone, they know who you've called and who you've text, texted. And we, we have differing, different reports about whether they actually know what was said. But it's enough that somebody else would know who you called and when you called them. That is enough for me. The Home Invasion documentary, I include news reports from major sources indicating that Facebook isn't just mining your data, it's keeping your call and text records as well. And that, to me, is, is unconscionable, but that's what they've done. Wherever they can get a source to advertise to, that is, wherever they can figure out what you're interested in, thus they know what to advertise to you. Um, that's how they have paid the bills and made the money. Yeah. But uh, there's, they're also keeping those records, and that could go elsewhere is the thing. Can I, can I jump in here real quick, Eric? Sure. Just leave, you leave, if, if you want to leave that up, that's fine. And I'm going to jump in here, and you can talk about uh, I'm throwing this in your talk. Because it goes along with what you just said. So let me go ahead and show this. Sure. Um, how th this is, this just came out not too long ago. This was May 3rd, I believe. Uh, yeah, May 3rd down there. The CDC bought data. So I guess organizations can, can buy data. But what is that data being used for? And we know it's used for nefarious reasons. Okay. It has nothing to do with your health. And uh, it has nothing to do with your well-being. But here you could see that the CDC bought data, okay? And they used it to enforce lockdowns. They spent um, almost half a million dollars so that they could track a bazillion people, like their cell phones. And I guarantee you they used, uh, you know, the triangulation, uh, whatever the cell phones use. I think it's triangulation and they use geolocation in there to see, get this. Who went to schools and churches, folks, churches during the pandemic? So I just want to throw that in there because Eric hit the nail on the head. And um, it doesn't just stop with Facebook. So go ahead. I just wanted to throw that in there for folks that maybe think that you're just talking, well, it's only social media. No, it's not. It's not just social media. Well, I, I find myself shaking my head because you're so right. I mean, this it, it's wrong they've done it, but you're right in reporting it. And Facebook uh, is a source of being able to track the activities of people, their likes, their dislikes, their purchases. So is Amazon. So is Google. Uh, these are all sources. And they sell that information then, sometimes to the highest bidder, but usually to who they think will use it the way they want it used. Um, Facebook is, is tracking activity. And one of the most disturbing things that I found out through this whole um, uh, research, and it's been like a three-year event of research for me, is that Facebook, if you delete your Facebook account, they continue to track you. That's crazy. Now, I, I believe this is taking place because uh, a piece of software is left behind if you delete the um, Facebook app from your phone, for example, a, a segment of software is left to be able to track what you do. These folks aren't, they, they aren't ready to say, oh, well, goodbye. It was nice knowing you. They continue to track you. And, and this is something that has been exposed. Um, yeah, the Guardian newspaper talked about it, but a whole lot of other really good sources have talked about this particular issue. So just understand uh, Facebook can track even your deleted account. Now, 
How can they do this, you wonder? And of course, why is because uh, if you look at it just in a purely material standpoint, they want to be able to continue to sell your information to the highest bidder, and they want to be able to sell it so you can be advertised to on particular levels about particular topics or, or products. And so they're keeping your call and text records. They keep a log of those things. Who gave them the right to do that? Well, sadly, we gave them the right to do that. Mm. We did. Yeah. But it isn't, it isn't just us that have found disagreement about this. Um, we have uh, Facebook executives who have left the company. In fact, their founding president, Sean, Sean Parker, uh, is concerned about this. I have the clips of these men. I'm not going to show the clips today just for time's sake, but there's been warnings from the founding president of Facebook and from Facebook's former head of, of user growth about the intentions that Facebook has to addict young people. And so these men have come out. I've been very vocal about it. One of them was done at the, uh, in fact, uh, Chamath Palapatia. He gave um, a speech at the, at the Stanford Business School about this. Uh, Sean Parker has talked about it. So understand that this is something that, that uh, we see going on, something that, that should concern us all. And these men are, are not uh, Fruit Loops. Yeah. Sean Parker is a billionaire from being with Facebook, to give you an idea. Uh, Pal Hapatio is, uh, like I said, the former Facebook VP, the head of user growth for the company. He's spoken out about the ethics and goals of Facebook and uh, been very open about it. He says, in my opinion, it, social media, is eroding the core foundations of how people behave by and between each other. He says, I don't have a good solution. My solution is I just don't use these tools anymore. I haven't for years. Now think wow. about that. Yeah. The head of user growth at Facebook doesn't use Facebook anymore. He said that um, he doesn't use social media, but he doesn't allow his children to use social media, in particular Facebook. Hmm. Now, you know, how he is still accepted uh, in the tech community, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but he is. But he's become pariah to Facebook. That's obvious because they've become pariah to him. Yeah. Uh, Sean Parker is now speaking out about uh, the company and the service that made him one of the richest men in, men in the world. And he told Fortune Magazine, by the way, he's worth $2.6 billion. And that was three and a half years ago. He said a thought process that went into building these applications as Facebook being the first of them was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious uh, attention as possible? Wow. That's crazy. So he's admitting what we already know is that they do everything possible to, to retain users on the screen. Uh, he goes on to say, God only knows what it's doing to our children's brains. Wow. And that should concern every one of us as parents and grandparents. If we hand a smartphone to a 10 yep. year old, there's going to be an addiction problem pretty quick. And there's going to be reasons behind this can, as can well. I, can I jump in? Leave that up. Don't change it. You bet. Yeah, leave okay. that up. I'm just going to jump in go real back? quick. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. Just where you're at. Because as you're talking about these two guys, there's another, and I'm going to put this link in below, folks, so you guys can check it out. There's a gentleman by the name of Dr. Cal Newport. Okay. He is a brain, MIT grad graduate. And uh, he actually talks about quitting social media. I don't think he's on social media um, at all. His MIT degree, I believe, is in computer programming. So 
I'm going to link to this. I think it's like a 10, 12, maybe even 13 minute YouTube video. He did this TED talk and the TED talk is all about the addictive nature in which all social media platforms are designed and how they're created in order to create, like I said, an addictive nature, much like gambling, just like slot machines, yeah. tables and everything else. I wanted yeah. to throw that in there. The link will be below, but it also just goes hand in hand with what you're talking about. Go ahead. I got you. Yeah, I understand. That's that's good information. I had heard of him. I think I think you've mentioned him yeah. actually. Uh, by the way, Paolo Hapatia is also a billionaire. So these these men have become very rich, very well off uh, by their uh, affiliation with Facebook. They're working with Facebook, and now they're saying because of what it's doing to people. Uh, Paolo Hapatia said, "I think we all knew in the back of our minds, even though we faked or feigned this whole line." of this probably aren't any really bad intentioned or unintended consequences. Eh? Yeah. I think they sure. all knew. He said, I, I think in the back recess of our minds, we kind of knew <laughs> something bad could happen. And it has, if you look at the way social media uh, works today. So are they going to uh, give all their billions of dollars back because they feel so terribly bad? Oh, I, I don't think that's going to yeah, happen. Right. Uh, bad actors can now manipulate large swaths of people to do anything you want. It's really, really bad state of, of affairs, says Pal Apatia. Uh, you know, if you look, he was at the beginning and uh, with Facebook. So was Sean Parker. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I, we all know who's in charge at Facebook. And we all know who worked other people out of the company. I don't know about these two men, but yeah. I do know that he, there's others that there's some really dirty dealings that were done by the top leadership. And I can, we'll start naming names here in a second. But in my opinion, he says it social media is eroding the core foundations of how people behave by and between each other. I don't have a good solution. My solution is I just don't use those tools anymore. Mm -hmm. That's the, the best solution. Now, while I was doing that research, um, you know how things pop up on the screen and yep. sometimes one search leads to another and you go down rabbit holes. Yeah. Facebook developed a Facebook for kids, Facebook messenger for kids. Wow. Now it's, yeah, I don't think it's as active now as it once was, but it was anything to keep young eyes on the screen because young eyes can go to older people to get money. Yeah. And young eyes can buy products and young eyes can be influenced and they see their role as partially to influence people and partially to make large sums of money. Now, these numerous hey. issues uh, with privacy and data privacy, uh, you know, we're all before Facebook changed its name to meta platforms. So mm -hmm. Facebook is a name from the past. It's what we all say still. But meta platforms is now the new name of the company. Uh, from uh, 2021 on. And Mark Zuckerberg, who you see on the screen there, literally bet the farm that over time, he would lead millions, if not billions of people into living their lives in a surreal world of virtual reality. So that's what the metaverse is all about, that you live your life online. You have, you can own property online. You can own tools, cars, planes, et cetera. Online, these aren't, these aren't real. They're made up. But a lot of money is changing hands in yeah. the processes. I know you have something you want to say. Yeah. Isn't that Jen Psaki, though? 
I'm sorry. I had to throw that in there. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I, I thought I thought you had something serious to say. <laughs> no, anyway, actually, you know what? Actually, I I want to just show people what uh, I do. I'm going to jump in here real quick. Keep it where you're sure. at. Don't don't sure. change. I'm going to show you guys what Meta's website actually says right very this moment. That is the Meta website. It says connection is evolving, and so are we. And so, uh, yeah. Eric is 100% right. I just want to keep stating that the reason you, we got to look behind all of this. One thing that we always have to keep in the back of our mind is this is not, our battle is not against flesh and blood folks. Our battle is against the powers, the, the spiritual warfare going on. There are demons handling all this. So this goes beyond what we see, but this is the face of what it looks like in the physical world. So go ahead. Yep. Well, you know, in in changing the name of the company and then in in really capitalizing on the metaverse, which is this surreal world and surreal surreal universe, really. Um, Facebook for the first time they saw their their stocks drop in in price. They saw a loss. That was the last quarter of last year. There was down 1.9 billion users. And so they have become convinced, Zuckerberg has become convinced that um, uh, he wants to give to whatever he can, give, give to people the things they want rather than what truth is. He wants to give them this virtual reality, which is really living in a surreal world. Um, whether you use the Oculus, the VR headset that's on the screen there, uh, which, by the way, Facebook owns now. They bought that not long ago. Oh, wow. uh, it's been somewhat some time ago. Back in 2014, they acquired it for two billion dollars back then. Wow. Um, you know, besides having the dogs bark, now I have the ice cream truck going down my street. It's okay. It's totally. You know what? I, I just want to point out: people hear strange sounds. It's uh, <laughs> it's not uh, of our doing, so to speak. So our hope is, he says, within the next decade, the metaverse will reach a billion people host hundreds of billions of dollars of digital commerce and support jobs for millions of creators and developers. They have laid off a lot of their past developers and senior management at Facebook, and they've been replaced with people who can develop the metaverse. Mm. And uh, so there's a, a big shift going on, even though you look online. Well, yeah. you, we've all seen this ad. Let's look at this ad for a second. You may have noticed these TV ads. This is for Meta or Facebook. I think the volume comes up here in a second. That's all good. Anyway, uh, we've seen the, the ad, and uh, it's all about living in the surreal world. You know, when you talk to animals, of course, you say, well, a lot of cartoons do that. Yeah, I know. Okay, I know that doesn't do. look fun to me. No, but that's what they say. It's going to be really fun. <laughs> and it helped to inter- introduce uh, Meta, especially aimed at teenagers. And so this is a, a, a vastly changing concept with more and more money in tech minds who are entering Zuckerberg's metaverse all the time. Black and uh, this is some, yeah, this is some hip, cool thing is, is the deal. And uh, sometimes, it's, uh, sometimes it's very unsettling. And to, to fulfill his dream of the metaverse, now called Meta Platforms, uh, he's added 10,000. I knew I had the figure somewhere. He's added 10,000 employees since 2021, spending wow. $10 billion in, in 2022, developing technologies for the metaverse. Uh, now, people are buying properties in the metaverse. These are things you can't live on. These are only things you can say you own. 
people are spending hard-earned real-life cash yeah. on these things. By the way, uh, they ended, uh, Facebook did, or Meta, the workforce for the Metaverse ended with 71,970 employees in 2021. That's crazy. So there are a lot of people working on this, a lot of programming, a lot of technology there's a, being put into this. There's a movie out there. I don't remember what it's called. Um, leave that up there. Sure. But it's a Steven Spielberg movie. Um, and it's all about a virtual reality movie. And, and uh, I started watching it. It's called Ready Player One. Um, let me see if I can get a picture of this, of this Ready Player One thing here. So this is on IMDb. I'm going to go ahead and just show this real quick. And this is the movie. It's called Ready Player One. Um, and that's that's what it's all about. You can kind of see the character uh, right there holding his hand up. We started to watch this movie and my wife and I actually ended up turning it off because mm-hmm. it gets really, uh, really I, I demonic. There's no other word. And so I'm not suggesting you guys go watch it by any means, but what I'm suggesting is that there is pre-programming going on too. Um, yeah, to get it. people interested. Yeah, it's, for it's, sure. And it is, uh, some producers are looking for what an interesting topic would be. And so they'll find something like this and maybe they're into it. Um, um, yeah. Snoop Dogg, for example, has bought a, a big swath of land in the metaverse. That's I'm talking about he's paid real money yeah. for this virtual land. And this would be a good spot for us to explain that. And I'm going to see it somewhere else in my slides here. I forget exactly where so many slides you, you just have to go through them and try to keep in order, but augmented reality is when you take something that's not real and place it inside a real context and virtual reality is completely fantasy. Yeah. Uh, When you buy a piece of land in the metaverse, the land isn't real. The icon you use to represent yourself or the figure that you would use to represent yourself isn't real. Nothing's real, but people are paying money. Investors are paying millions of dollars for virtual land. And uh, we've seen the CNBC did a huge piece on this. And yeah. I, I took the quotes out and obviously took the video also. And and it, you, it goes on and on and on. There's uh, there's part of it. And investors okay. pay millions for virtual land on, on Metaverse. I have metaverse. an idea for you and I, Eric. Investment okay. idea. You ready? <laughs> Let's buy a few apartment buildings and charge rent. <laughs> well, it's happening. Oh, okay. Never it mind. is happening. But you got to come up with a lot of money to buy those buildings is the thing. Wow. I, we we got to keep moving here. Yeah, go for it. Um, you know, the digital prices have gone up between four and 500% in the last few months. Jeez, that's crazy. The digital world to some is as important as the real world. That's part of the scary part of it. Yeah. It's highly, highly risky. You should only invest capital, they say, this is CNBC, that you're prepared to lose. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but it's very, very risky when you think about uh, what you're doing. You're investing in a virtual reality, and it, it does not have real-world value except what you've spent in the metaverse, mm. right? That's yep. the only place you yep. find an evaluation of it. Uh, if you've never heard of this before, you're going to be shocked by some people paying, um, uh, playing a part in this and paying to be a part of it. 
Uh, it's essentially can really a video game starring you and the avatar that you're using to represent you is what it, what it really boils down to. Uh, one company recently dropped nearly $2.5 million on virtual property. Uh, and this is where they found it, Decentraland. That's part of the metaverse. Uh, it's one of the popular metaverse uh, worlds. Another hot metaverse world is Sandbox, where a real estate company, uh, and this is a real life company, Republic Realm, spent a record $4.3 million on a parcel of virtual land. That's crazy. This is just people need to understand what they're paying for are, are ones and zeros. Yeah. Well, they understand that, uh, that this is all virtual. You, you don't get that far to spend that kind of money without it. But wow. that's, that's the, the kind of wager that people have. Uh, crypto manager at uh, Grayscale says, uh, let's see, estimates the digital world may grow to be a $1 trillion business in the near future. Wow. wow. One developer sold 100 virtual private islands last year for $15,000 each. And he said, today, they're selling for about $300,000 each. Try that one on. You have your own island in the, in, the, in the metaverse. I think Snoop Dogg actually has an island, if I remember correctly. This is kind of a look at what some of the virtual world looks like. So you're living in a completely surreal world. I, I, I'm sure a psychologist could tell us exactly how uh, a person's mind could be ill-affected by sure. that kind of thinking, sure. let, let alone the actual doing of it. So living in a virtual world, uh, to simplify the answer for the sake of any human out there who wants to understand it, it's a world completely devoid of any kind of reality. And you take on a figure like these on the screen to do it. Uh, and using an Oculus is probably the best way to do it because you're completely closed off from any reality by using the Oculus headset that you see there in the upper left picture and in the lower picture as well. All right. Uh, let's see. Okay, um, can can I say something real quick? Oh yeah. Does this remind you at all of Dungeons and Dragons? Because it really reminds me a lot. I mean, obviously not in the spending and everything, but only in the sense of I've read a couple books about it, especially when I was in high school, because there were a lot of kids that were into um, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah. To the point where some of these people would take their character so seriously that if their character were to die in the game, they would actually commit suicide. Yeah. And uh, we dealt with cases like that. Uh, a good friend of mine had written a good booklet on Dungeons and Dragons years ago. And we, I don't know how many of those hundreds, if not thousands that we gave out or, and I talked about it quite a bit in yeah. the ministry back in those days. Um, understand how this is working. This may sound enticing to people who want to escape the real world. And I'll admit the real world has a lot of problems around this. Yeah. But when you get into the, the virtual world, there are evil characters there too. Yeah. You can be ripped off there too. You can, be, you can be attacked. You can be killed there too, at least to an extent. Uh, it is like a, an, an ongoing huge type of video game with a lot of details in it. And uh, to every part of the of fallen humanity, and I wrote this down, I think this is important, to every yeah. aspect of fallen humanity, you're going to find out that it's all there in the virtual world as well. How can a player deal with a loss or sorrow? 
how can how can you do away with evil and have good triumph over evil? I'm talking about authentic biblical sure. good triumph yeah. over evil. Uh, people that want to completely isolate would love the idea of virtual world. If yeah. they want to be completely to themselves, not deal with any humans, then th they can do that. But then when they have to actually go away from the computer or the Oculus uh, um, glasses and, and go out into the real world, it's a whole different deal. Sure. P some people have, have enough trouble living and dealing with the real world. Yeah. yeah. Um, another issue is the over-reliance on what is not real. I mean, and that's really kind of what I just said, but uh, it all comes back to that. They can't actually touch that land in, in, the, in the metaverse. They can't actually own that vehicle they bought or, or have that relationship with another avatar yeah. rather than, and that avatar is represented by a human and the human is then manipulating the other avatar as he or she sees fit. And you're then you're, you're uh, interconnected with that other human through two avatars, yours and theirs. Yeah. Uh, one reality that cannot be escaped is the financial facts that of what's going on here. People yeah. are losing or making huge amounts of money in the meta metaverse. I'm not against making money. That's not the issue. Right, right. But think about what the money is being made on. This, yeah. this is completely outside of and devoid of reality. Yeah. Uh, in real world terms, the the possibility of some investors losing a fortune is quite real, but even larger is the allure that in individuals can transcend human limita limitations. And um, could this be why we have so many people uh, who want to live with uh, transhumanist ideas? They, they want to live uh, somewhere in between reality and our, our humanity, the real world. Yeah. And, and they want this, they want to be able to transfer back and forth their feelings and their ideas uh, transhumanism has all kinds of, of elements to it, but Satan, let's never forget, Satan thought he could overcome the limitations of the angelic. He thought he could overcome those things. Yeah. He thought he could become God. People that believe that they can escape and escape the boundaries of reality for the siren song of transhumanism are going to find out how, how wrong they were. And some tech insiders have questioned various aspects of the metaverse with some declaring that it's a disaster of multiple sorts, just waiting to happen. Right. And Facebook has basically bet the farm on this Mark Zuckerberg in particular himself. Uh, there is no consensus about the metaverse and what it should be and what it should become. There is no committee to put, put together the metaverse, how it should be, how, how it's uh, seen from all these different aspects. Uh, almost all agree that big tech itself listen to this, should not be in control of the metaverse <laughs> because yeah. they, they have proven to be unreliable in the way they handle things like this. Right. And they're, they're, they're selling a false, literally a false bill of goods to people. Yeah. Uh, and some you know such what? as can, Wired can, Magazine has even spoken out against this. Can I just Had say a, that it's also devoid of God in there? There's Oh, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're not going to find churches on the streets in the metaverse, at least not that I know of. I'm not, uh, I haven't bought into it myself. I'm not going to, Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard any reports about that. And so think about that. There won't be evangelism on the streets in the metaverse. Yeah. Oh, those pesky Christians 
uh, let alone some of the cults that are out there, we don't have to hear about Jesus anymore. That's right. Yeah. You know, and that's of course a dream that the that the world just loves that idea. And there there are um, there are a couple of movies out there. And again, I'm not suggesting you watch these at all. But folks, don't think that they're not out there. I'm going to show it real quick. So give me a second here. One of them is called Free Guy. Do not watch this movie. You can read reviews on Plugged In if you want. This is as blasphemous as they come. And this is pretty much why I brought that um, that whole notion of the void. God is not in the metaverse. It's void of God, right? So we are yeah. our own gods this this character here, and th th this is pretty much what this whole movie deals with. And this is a uh, a virtual world, just much like the metaverse. And if you go back just a few years, there was this movie with Leonardo DiCap DiCaprio called Inception. Now, this movie didn't have any virtual reality goggles per se, but this was a movie about escaping reality in a way, and they they injected some sort of you know plasmic mumbo jumbo into their veins to have them go into a first, second, third stage dream world, and um, it's pretty crazy what again, you know we're what we're looking at when it comes to pre-programming, and for folks that think that you know Eric and I are full of hot air you know what, at the end of the day, the evidence speaks for itself. So anyways, I, I wanted yeah. to just throw that in there because there are other things that are, they, they help proliferate all of this stuff. And it, it really does push the envelope further down the road. Yeah. Uh, it opens up uh, people's minds to escape reality is more important than yeah. to live in reality and deal with reality. Yep. And um, I, I realize that. I mean, sometimes we read novels to escape reality. Yeah. And I, I, people could say it's the same kind of thing. It's really not the same kind of thing, especially when you consider who's being affected by it and uh, the enormity of it. Facebook, as we know it, uh, is not going to stand the way it is. It's going to continue to change and be more of of this kind of a world. And if you want your kids in that world, just let them have Facebook. Yeah. If you, if you want to condone that as a parent, just go ahead. Young people, you say, I see nothing wrong with it. You guys are extremists. That's fine. That's fine. Wherever you eliminate God in the world, Satan is going to be at work yep. and they have eliminated God. The big tech, basically, um, you know, they deal with people who are resistors or who stand against them or who come into a, um, a, uh, a meeting prepared to say that something's right or wrong. Yeah. Well, they, they're put out because they make statements that sound too biblical. Yeah. You know, when you can consider this about the, the multifaceted effects of Facebook and Google and others, and for so long, you think about how they've affected people. This is a really good clip, an insightful clip that I that I took off of uh, Tucker Carlson's program. Of course, Tucker takes a hit every day for something that he says or something that somebody claims he says. But yeah. this is an excellent look, and it's also a tech insider from Google and another tech insider together. So let's uh, let's let's play this clip. I think it's uh, going to be helpful right at this point in time go talking about the metaverse. Here we go. been telling you for months now about the growing power of the big tech companies whose brand of surveillance capitalism has come to shape our politics and culture in ways that many people don't perceive. 
Tonight, we want to give you a very specific example of that. It's both a look into the near future and a terrifying illustration of the control these companies seek over our daily lives. We recently reviewed several patents filed by Google. As we describe them, ask yourself if you're comfortable giving this much power to unelected technocrats you have never met. In the first patent filed in September of 2016, Google envisions how it could send you personalized advertising based on what a camera observes in your home. In the illustration that Google submitted to the federal government, the patent office, a camera in your bedroom sees a Godfather novel on your nightstand next to your bed and uses that to steer you to watching the movie. You think that's creepy, prepare yourself because it gets a lot creepier. In another patent application from September 2016, Google imagines how it could take control of your parenting, your relationship with your children. Google's smart home system could detect children near a liquor cabinet, for example, or in their parents' bedroom, infer that, quote, mischief is occurring and deliver a verbal warning. In another example, Google imagines a hypothetical child called Benjamin. Google's cameras would be watching Benjamin at all times, carefully. They could see if he's playing outside or using electronics. Presumably, they'd also try to use that information to sell him things at some point, because that's the whole point of Google. The same patent also discuss, discusses how the smart home could coach families on, quote, areas of improvement. For example, if a family doesn't spend enough time together, eating together in Google's estimation, Google might scold them and suggest that they set a goal of eating more often together. That is Google's description, not ours, by the way. We contacted Google for comment on this and the company, and we're assuming it was a person and not a robot, replied this way, quote, we file patent applications on a variety of ideas that our employees come up with. Some of those ideas later mature into real products or services, some don't. In other words, don't worry, we're not spying on you yet. We just have the patent for it. Of course, tech is also dangerous because it is deeply addictive. In fact, more than anything, it's deeply addictive. Now a group of early Google and Facebook employees are teaming up to check the companies they helped create. Tristan Harris is a former Google employee, heads up this new group, the Center for Humane Technology. Jim Steyer is the founder of Common Sense Media, which advocates for children, and they join us tonight. Thank you both for coming on. So you describe these products as addictive. What do you mean by that? Um, well, <clears throat> what most people don't realize, they see addiction and they think it's happening by accident. We're addicted to lots of things. We worried about our, you know, our kids in the 1970s. They were addicted to gossiping on the telephone. What this misses is that today, behind the other side of the screen when you're using it, there's a hundred engineers whose entire job, not because they're evil, but their job is to figure out how do I keep you coming back to the product? So YouTube wants to autoplay the next video. Uh, Snapchat wants to put the number of days in a row in something called a streak next to every single person in your kids' contacts. They say, if you've got 30 friends, they say, here's the number of days in a row you've, you've sent a message to each friend. And it keeps each of them hooked because the business model, so long as it's advertising, is how do I hold on to your attention? Because the entire stock price is one-to-one -one linked with how much attention I get. And that's the problem. So we know, Jim, that Screen time has consequences. Huge and, consequences. And it, and it hurts children. Correct. Can, can. It can. For sure. And there are a lot of disturbing metrics about how kids and young adults are doing, and some of them are linked to tech use. Correct. So why has there been no public recognition of this, no widespread? You know, it's interesting because I run Common Sense, the biggest kids media group in the country. It's taken time. I think part of it is we got so excited about the incredible technological innovation yes. that Silicon Valley brought us. And there are amazing, we're not anti-tech. Tristan worked at Google. You know, right. we're not anti-tech at all. Common Sense helps you find the good stuff. But 
there's clearly been no regulation whatsoever. That's not even at the side title, no real discussion. And I think what's happening, you know, you're a dad just like I am. My kids are starting to go, I'm not sure I really want this in my life all the time. I don't want this constantly pinging me or wanting me to come there. And I think, I mean, Tristan told you how, what addiction is, but 60% of kids in the United States believe they're addicted to their cell phones. That's a really big deal. So, for but you I wonder, and me do the tech companies know this? So you worked in them. Yeah. Yes. Are they aware? They must be aware. Yes. You're saying they're designed this to be addictive. Do they have moral qualms about well, this? Well, so actually, in 2013, I created a presentation. It was the first Google memo before the a second one got really famous, um, saying we have a moral responsibility as Google because no matter what we do, we bump our elbow and a billion people's attention goes that way. Yes. Or you bump your elbow and a billion people's attention goes that way. So how do you ethically steer two billion people actually their thoughts when they look at a smartphone or a feed? Because from the moment we wake up in the morning to 150 times we check per day, it's like it's never been easier to see as a kid. You see if you wake up, you check your phone and you see photo after photo of your friends having fun without you. Is that how we want to ethically care for, for all these millions and millions of kids? Do, do you think, Jim, yeah. that there are enough people at these companies who can see clearly enough to pull back from this a little the, bit? The key is at the top. Because here's the deal. You, Tristan's a whistleblower. This is the cigarette case yes, all over again. I agree. Tristan, and, and this, we were just with a group of his engineering colleagues who come forward and say, enough is enough. We got to tell you this was intentional. So the key is the leadership at the top. I actually tell you, this is a major challenge now to the people at the very top of the key tech companies in the United States. What values do you have? Is it just about how much money you can make and how much right. attention, exactly. how much the arms race of attention you can win so you can monetize it by selling ads? Or is there, there are other values? I, I couldn't. And then you. And by the way, this is not a partisan issue. By the way, right, exactly. Everybody know. Everybody as a parent everybody knows this it. all across the country. And it's, and it's kind of wrecking the society. And I think we all feel well, that's that way. The, and then I, how do you hold them accountable? I couldn't be rooting for you guys more. Really, Godspeed. Good. I hope you'll come back well, anytime. We will. Thank Please you. do. Well. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you, Tuck. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Let me, uh, it is. Let me add one more point here that sure. I think is important. I have a segment in the video, in the uh, documentary that I'm not going to play today. I'm not going to have any material from it. But the tech executives in Silicon Valley, how they pick their nannies tells you a lot. They have disclosure agreements that they sign with the nanny. And one of the points in it is how many minutes a day their children are allowed on social media or to watch television. Mm. It is shocking that the same people who want our kids to be addicted to what they put out are limiting or maybe prohibiting their children from doing the same thing. Yeah. Does that tell us anything at all when we know this is a fact and there's uh, New York Times did a story about it. There have been several other stories I, I garnered from to be able to come up with the uh, data that we put in the slides. That, that to me, speaks loud and clear that tech knows what's going on. Yeah. They, they know how the minds of children and teens are being affected, and a lot of adults are being yeah. affected oh, 100%. by these things. Yeah. Okay, so look, I know we have gone a long time, and I think we're going to have to do this is going to be part two. I think we're going to have to do part three and part four. So we were, I, I, I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. So, and, and we don't want to, uh, I'm sure I speak for Eric. We don't want to cut any of the information out that we were going to cover. So with that said, we're going to do part three and then we're going to do part four. Yep. That uh, sounds great. Yeah. My other computer back here is saying to me that, uh, 
it's lost signal and needs help too. So it's okay. Yeah. I could see it right back there. So um, listen, folks, we, we got through a lot and I always say this, we didn't get through everything, but thank God, this is one good aspect of technology where we're able to use it. And we're able to disseminate information that a lot of you guys aren't aware of or didn't know and or may know, but you don't know the dangers, the hidden dangers behind them or the nefarious reasons why the inception of this technology. Okay, so um, we're going to come back again, hopefully soon, because that way it's fresh in everybody's mind. Um, is there anything else you want to add, Eric, before we, we close off? No, no. And this is a good spot. Um, I, I think when we show in the next, in part, what's going to now be part three, uh, I think when we show what happens with the apps we use on our phones and how information is being taken from them without us realizing yeah. it. Uh, when we show that and we show how trackable the phones are, even if you say I've got location turned off. Uh, those are things you need to understand about your personal privacy, in some cases, your personal safety, yeah. and uh, just the idea that we should have autonomy over our data instead of letting big tech uh, run rampant with whatever it wants. And we'll get into that. There's a lot more to this, as many moving parts, and I'm glad to do a, a third and now a fourth part. Yeah, we're going to have to. Uh, okay, so for yeah. those faithful ones that have stuck all the way to the end, I want to just kind of go back to the beginning and let everybody know I am going to put the link down below for the pre-order of Home Invasion. If you like what you're hearing, and I, I would imagine the large majority of you guys are tuning in because you like what you hear, I highly, highly encourage you to get this because there's going to be a lot of information that Eric is not going to cover that's going to be on that documentary and you're going to want to hear this. Okay. So please go on his website, pre-order this. Um, And again, we said it in the beginning, it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of time and resources to do this. And if you, uh, if the Lord is leading you to support Eric's ministry or even my ministry, please, by all means, do so. You can go to the Serpents and Doves website. Here it is again on the top right-hand side. There is a donate button. It's also at the footer of the website as well. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom, you could see it right down here. Um, little hidden gem for everybody before I go. I don't mm-hmm. know how many of you guys know that I feature Christian artists and music, past, present, um, right down here. And I also put the link on there. I don't get one single penny if you guys ever buy because it's through um, iTunes. But with so much trash music out there, too, it's kind of getting hard to maneuver good music. And anyways, I put that down there for everybody. If you want to check it out, every time I do a new uh, podcast, I change it. Um, and so with that said, here we Pablo, are again, Go uh, let ahead. me, let me add one more thing. I'm yeah. sorry to break in. Uh, by the way, that's a great idea about the music and I, I concur. Um, if, if folks pre-order the DVDs, you just won't get a series of DVDs in the mail. Uh, I will immediately have links sent to you that you can access the two booklets that I'm including with the, with the documentary and every segment that is already completed, the video segment, you'll get a link to it and they'll stay up for perpetuity. So you'll be able to watch it online, download it to your computer and do so immediately. So if you order or pre-order, 
Um, you'll get all those links that lead you to the things I just mentioned, as well as at the end of the day, when we're finished, you'll get a, a set of DVDs of it. Yeah. So again, get it. I, I highly encourage you to get it. So um, you're going to get a lot, a lot of material. And I, I would probably imagine that it's not a one-time watch. This is something you're going to have to go back and revisit over yeah. and over again because of the plethora of information that Eric gives us. And at least for my pea brain, and I shouldn't say that. I'm a creation of God. I shouldn't, I shouldn't insult the Lord. But it takes me sometimes, there's things that I need to reread. Like when I read the Bible, there's things that I have to reread and reread over and over and over again so that it sinks into my mind. And I would imagine that this is the same way. You guys are going to probably have to watch this over and over again. And that way, think about it. When you guys have this information in your mind and you know this so well you can actually go out and share this information with other people as well and you can let them on to the dangers of what you know eric is sharing with us as well so right all right eric this has been fun i'm telling you i like this this is fun to me this is great and i can't thank you enough for your time i know you're busy and you got your dogs that probably <laughs> <laughs> I need your attention. They're probably laying right outside the studio door waiting for me so they can attack. But anyway, I love it. I love the human factor. And I think most of you guys that have watched my podcast know that this is just so relaxed that I think it was, um, I don't remember who I was doing a podcast with a while back, but the gardeners decided, my gardeners decided um, to come on a, a different day than they usually come. And so here we are in the middle of talking and all of a sudden you're, you know, and, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it's like right out here. And you know what? It is what it is. Um, at the end of the day, it's really the content that's important. And so Eric, thanks again so much for your time. I really, 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 really appreciate it. Looking forward to part three, part four, who knows, maybe even part Pablo. Five. You could be, yeah, you're, you're a gem, my friend. I appreciate I, that. I appreciate you a lot. And I hope folks understand what they've got when they got you. It's real. And uh, you, you're just, you let it all hang out, so to speak, let people see the good, bad, the ugly. And when you're trying to spotlight topics that are important in the day we live in, I appreciate it an awful lot. You bet. Thank you so much for the kind words, folks. I hope you guys were encouraged. I hope you were blessed and challenged because I know we're living in really, really difficult times. It's growing darker and darker, but for the believer, it's growing brighter and brighter and brighter. And so look, these are heavy topics, um, but I never want to end one of these podcasts without giving people the hope that Eric and I have. And that hope is in Jesus Christ. Eric, can you please tell people if they don't know how they can get that hope fixed um, actually get that hope within them. Go for it. Well, if, uh, if you stay with us this long and you happen not to be a Christian or you're not sure about a relationship with God, uh, it's a simple and easy step. You don't have to join a club. You don't have to take a secret oath. All you need to do is say, Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner and I need help. And I recognize that you are the help, you are the savior, the only one and the only way to be saved and simply stop doing the things you were doing before. And by God's help, you'll be able to, to stop those things. Uh, sometimes folks say, well, I just can't be perfect. Well, God didn't call us to be perfect at this point in time. Now I know there are people who disagree in the church on a statement like that because of one particular passage, but 
I, I realize perfection is only attained when I get to heaven. I have a glorified body and it'll be perfect. Amen. Uh, God wants to save sinners. Uh, you don't have to. Uh, my, my dad once told me, well, I haven't really done anything that bad. I said, dad, it only takes one sin. It only takes one sin to eliminate your, your opportunity to go to heaven. And unless Jesus Christ has covered those sins, I've done a lot of things wrong. I was a drug addict and alcoholic, a new ager before it was called new age. If God can save me, he can save anybody. And he can save anybody who's watching today. And he saved so many this, that thought they were untouchable, but Amen. God can do it. So just pray this simple prayer. Just say, Father, in Jesus name, I confess I'm a sinner. And I know that I can't solve my problems. You are the only hope I've got. So I turn to you, not to get a good spiritual feeling, not to get goosebumps, but I turn to you for forgiveness of my sins. And I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I put him on the throne in my life and ask him to come into my heart. If you pray a prayer that's similar to that, it could be the same words I just gave you or others that you put in your own words. The most important thing is that you enthrone Jesus as Lord and Savior in your life and then walk on with him. And if you stumble, if, uh, if you're tempted, all those things, go to God, take it to God and let him then cleanse you. His forgiveness goes on and on and on. It doesn't mean you should go out and try to sin, but when we do, we have an advocate. We have Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father and advocates for us. And uh, God loved us so much, he said, his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him. Well, I'm, I'm one of those whosoever's, and I believed in him and I would not, that I would not perish and then have eternal life. So it's just that simple. It's, um, it's not becoming religious. Uh, it's not signing a paper. It's becoming a Christian. And that's how it happens. Amen. Amen. So <clears throat> if you guys did make a decision, please let me know and, uh, or let Eric. But uh, if you guys do, I'd love to send you a little booklet out uh, that I think would bless, bless you. Uh, okay, listen, folks. The Lord is coming back very, very, very soon. Eric mentioned it in the very, very beginning. We're living in the end of the end days. So now's not the time to be playing around with your salvation. Today is the accepted day of salvation. Yeah. Don't put it off. Don't put it off because tomorrow might be too late. Okay, folks, until the next time. Thanks, Eric, again. We'll see you.